0: Welcome to WTS Waikato, season two. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. The Regent Theatre in Te Awamutu is one of a very small number of high-quality provincial cinemas in Aotearoa. It was established in 1932 and has been managed by movie enthusiast Alan Webb since 1974. Now a trust has been set up to ensure the cinema's future after Alan retires. He's still there at the box office though and invited WTS in to treat us to a coffee and a yarn.
1: The theatre was run by uh, a company and there was another company uh, that owned the theatre, but the people or the man who was basically in charge of uh, both uh, was a man called uh, Sidney Toms and he was running the uh, Hamilton Theatre which used to be called the Town Hall Pictures, and then it became the Strand, and then it became the Civic, and it remained the Civic until it was demolished in 1964. And he wanted a theatre in Te Amuru, so he went to the Empire, and he said that he'd like to take over the Empire. Uh, this was at a time when it was still Depression era, so I don't know why he wanted to do that, but the Empire wasn't prepared to sell, so he decided that he had form a company for the, to build the theatre, and then his own company to run it and obviously it seemed to work Uh, I can never quite work out just how it did that because it went from that into the war which also would have affected attendances wherever there wasn't uh, American base if there's American base well in the theaters did very well and then the population was very very small also And you had an 800-seater, the region, and a 600-seater at the Empire. It's a lot of seats for a small town. And the film's old, of course, because it took up to five years for a film to go around the whole of New Zealand because they didn't bring in very many prints. And they ran the theatre successfully, obviously, until television. Now when I was talking to Jack Slater who was a projectionist and cleaner at the Empire uh, at one stage and he went to Waihee, and Colin Melsop was his partner he was the man behind the scenes um, did the equipment and that sort of thing but Jack ran up and I said to him what happened when the antenna was turned on at Tierra?" and he said It was like turning off a tap. He said on the Saturday before, we were full. And he said the next Saturday, we were empty. And he said, everybody had the TV sets ready and waiting for a good reception. And they just didn't come in anymore. That was just as simple as that. So it affected, of course, all of the theaters. And Auckland from 1962 on, the inner suburban theaters started to close and then the outer suburban theatres and so on, so by 66, around about then, things were quite critical. In
0: 1974, the previous owners of Te Awamutu's Regent Theatre went bankrupt, and its future was under threat. There were interests around town in altering the building for a different purpose. But in a crucial move, the bankrupt owners contacted Alan Webb, who was already involved in managing cinemas at the time. They offered to give him the Regent Theatre.
1: Two weeks after that, I had the theatre. And the theatre itself was in absolutely appalling condition. It was dirty, presentation was bad, it kept on breaking down, the picture on the screen wasn't very good, the sound would, would go off, uh, there was no cooling, this was summertime, it was January. The toilets stank, of uh, concrete, and hadn't been cleaned for three weeks. There were mice, uh, there were rats, and infested with, co- with um, sawfish. Everything you picked up <laughs> was covered in sawfish. took a long time to get rid of them. And in between, the, cavity, the wall cavity was full with black honeycomb, and or bees, and that took a couple of years to get rid of them, as well as the mice and all the rest of it. And it, it took a long time to to get it back to a, a good, a reasonable sort of condition. The place leaped like a sip. And I started to uh, do it up after I'd been here for 10 months. And uh, it took un- from November to July for the alterations to be done. Osha would have had a field day in those days. <laughs> you'd come and there'd be no seats or no floor upstairs. And then you come and there'd be no floor or seats downstairs. And there'd be logs, your four by twos. Uh, there'd be saws, uh, benches. Um, there'd be carpet will be pulled up. And people were sort of climbing over all the stuff to get inside the theatre. <laughs> so it was quite unbelievable. And people in those days didn't worry at all. Mm. Um, People today would be absolutely shocked by it, but they knew something was happening and it was going to be better than what it was before. So I suppose they're quite comfortable with it, but it was hard getting film because the film companies had stopped supply and the Empire was getting all the films. And that carried on for uh, several months.
0: After a few months, though, Alan received a bout of luck.
1: The phone rings. So I picked up the phone, and he said, John Garrett here. He said, you're starting The Exorcist on Friday. He said, the trade is coming down, and the printing now. And he said, there's a lot of meat left in it because the Carlton had to take it off early because they had another film coming in. And he said, hello, hello, are you there? And I said, well, just a moment, I'm picking myself up off the floor. <laughs> so that was the first one, and then from then on, things started to improve. And the film companies that I had been dealing with had a very bad run of films, and they were just films that no one wanted to see. And they started improving. And the karate phase started. And uh, IFD, which is International Film Distributors, had the Bruce Lee films. And down the road, he was running into the Dragon and uh, Black Belt Jones and films like that and getting very big houses uh, while we were running rubbish. So when we got the Bruce Lee films, we started to get an audience back again. There were only three, but what I'd do was run them as for a season, each one in turn, but as each one uh, was separated, I'd then get the, the first one and put it with another film that I had before. And then when the second one came out, then I put that one with the first one, and then I put it with another film we had before. When the third one came out, I did exactly the same. So I kept on getting an audience and putting them on different days. And then the blockbusters started coming out and the big ones like um, Poseidon Adventure and and films like that um, were going down to the empire we were starting to get some of the, the bigger ones here too. And uh, it came up to Tauri Inferno, and they wouldn't give it to me, but it was one of the films that should go to the region. It was from, the, from Columbia Warners. And uh, they kept it because they wanted me to reopen it with, with that particular film. So we finished on the Thursday night, and this is in July, and reopened the next night uh, as the new Regent Luxury Cinema was Towering Inferno. And the whole week, apart from the Monday night, which only had about 190, every other night was full in the matinee that just couldn't get in the place. Um, and down the road, they had Airport 75, which was a big film, and they didn't get very many people at all. So people had stopped going there. Uh, and they started coming here and that's when mm. it started to build up. And then we had the blockbuster films and, you know, the usual story. You get runs of certain uh, genres and they do very, very well. Mm-hmm. So the business went
0: right up and it, we, we were doing very well. Mm. So how how long was that after you had taken ownership of the theatre? Well, it came in the January
1: and that was the following July. Right. So yep. it was one and a half years that when it started to pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had those karate films in the interim, which had given a boost. So that basically takes you up to um, up to the post-video stage, and then of course DVDs came in, and Blu-rays came in, and then you got colour TV and more channels, that sort of thing, and all those made inroads into the cinema industry. So people were starting to. Cherry Pick, Uh, I was running films longer because I found that one week wasn't enough for a big film and they were getting longer and longer and sometimes they'd run six months. The record was eight months in a little town like that to run a film and still get people coming to it It was quite amazing and we had some record, even a world record for a film uh, called October Sky and we ran it for six months and it was still doing well and In New Zealand, there was only the Rialto and Auckland ran it for two weeks um, and it didn't do any good. And this was the only theatre that did any good. We had no printing, we had no trailer, nothing at all. No accessories at all. And you just kept on running and running and running. And Fateless was another one that did very well. We did three months with that. (laughs) And it it had two prints for the whole of Australasia. And we had one of them. And uh, they said, uh, don't bother sending it back, Alan. You can keep it because no one wants it. And with October Sky, we ended up getting a second print because we were running so many sessions um, that we had the whole of the college came. We had to run two sessions a day in two theatres to be able to accommodate the the number. There was over 1,000 people came just from them alone. Wow. Uh, so it was unbelievable. So we, we were getting certain films. We're working here and nowhere else. Um, and certain combinations, I'd double feature some films and they work here and they wouldn't work
0: anywhere else. Why do you think that was? I don't really know. It's... it's. Uh, it sounds <laughs> quite anomalous, the, what you've been talking about, what's been happening since the 1970s, is like, um, you've been running on a knife edge the whole time, it's been going up, the industry's been going up and down and ebbing and flowing and it, it, it was stable at no point throughout there, and it is not hills stable and valleys. And I think
1: the perhaps the uh, I don't want to sound as I've got a chip on my shoulder here, but uh, I tried right from the word go, from when I first started in 1969, on the theatres that I had to do things different from everyone else. You could call it eccentric if you like, but I never did the same as anyone else because I was in. Th- Theatres were were, were closed, bankrupted. Um, I had strong competition and if I just did it the same as everybody else, then I would have failed. So I had to do things that no one else would do and I did all sorts of odd things, double features and um, odd type of double featuring, um, putting on uh, special sessions at certain times and all that sort of thing. And then if I could grab on something that worked, I would keep on pushing it, pushing it and pushing it. And I suppose that's the reason. So people, I suppose, over a period of time, the longer I was here, the more they trusted me. Uh, and if I said something was good, then it was good. And I, it's one thing that I found, if anyone ever asked me, what's the most important thing with a person going into business in a small town, it is being honest. It takes a long time before you get that uh, that, that is actually works for you, but it is most important. And when people start trusting you, then you can, you can work around that uh, by helping them see what they want to see uh, and by me picking films that I think that they will want to see. And I have people and, and they say, what do you think about this film? And I can tell them, do you think I should see this one or that one? And I can tell them, uh, or I can, I have actually done this, I've turned around and told people, don't go and see that film, you won't like it, you should see this one, you will like it. Um, one lady took no notice of me, that she's the only one, and she came out and said, you were right, and I said, well, don't bother asking me again, <laughs> but others will, and they'll come out and say, you're right, that film was really good, we really liked it, but we wouldn't have thought so, we thought it was completely different from what, from what uh, we thought it was. So I think that perhaps because i had to do things that no one else would do and to survive and the fact that i i continued to stay here and built trust amongst the people that that's probably been the most important two things to be able
0: to survive mm. and how important is it now that you've um you're going to gift the theatre to Te motor and, and, and for it to be put under a trust. Is that important for the future posterity of the th- theatre? I think when towns lose a cinema,
1: you lose some, something that is important to a community. Because you take, for instance, in the school holidays, what have the kids got to do if they haven't got their cinema? What are the families going to do? And when a big film comes out and people want to see it, or something special that they want to see, uh, and you've got no local cinema, it means you've got to travel. Uh, That's not always very helpful. Uh, Although we're close to other theatres, there's 26 around, uh, apart from Tiamudi. So perhaps uh, here, even more so. But I think that if If it was to close, then those people who come into town from all over the place, we get people from all over the place and and, and different places in the world. I don't know how they manage to find out, but they Mm -hmm. do. And they may be visiting and they come here. And they will spend some money in the town, even if it's just going and having a uh, lunch or that sort of thing, afternoon tea or morning tea and what have you. And uh, McDonald's, those sort of places. So if you can get those people at they're getting the theatre experience, they might go to the museum, they might go to the library, the swimming pool, and those sort of things. So it's helping everybody to a certain degree. And some of them are regular, so they'll always do the same thing each time. They'll always, like the morning session on Wednesday, they'll go to the theatre, then they'll go out for lunch. So somebody else gets benefit from that, or they'll do a bit of shopping. So with the fact that I've been here for so long, and. starting to struggle physically uh, after having 12 operations in 18 months. And uh, I'm finding that it's difficult for me to use the bottom part of my body some of the times and getting up ladders and upstairs and downstairs and all the rest of it and all the cleaning, and that sort of thing. It's becoming more difficult all the time. So for quite some time now, it's, I knew that something had to happen and about uh, now, we're into March, so it would be about 15 months ago. It was be Christmas before last. Um, Eleanor Livingston uh, was one of them and Marcus Gale was another. And they said, what are you gonna do with the theatre when you go? And nothing sort of came of it. They said, oh, they wanted to talk to me, but nothing came of it for quite a long time. And then all of a sudden it reappeared again. They said, what's gonna happen? And I said, well, I'm I'm going to end up having to to leave the theatre before too long and I want it to continue. So I said the best way is to get a trust to run it and you get people who are are passionate about the theatre and that's the only way I think that you could keep it going. I actually did have a buyer uh, who wanted it. It was actually the son of the guy who I bought the theatre from originally Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted to come back to New Zealand. He's in Sydney, and he was going to give me cash. And I told him about the trust was in the background. They went re- very proactive. Um, anyway, then they decided yes they would, and they were looking at it, and they said, you know, how do we go about this? And I said, well, if you are very determined and, and you're quite prepared to to uh, Take on the challenge and the time that's going to take from all of you. I'll give you the theatre and everything in it for nothing, because I want it to stay open. And the people at the Talmud have been good to me for all those years. Then now I can be, I can reciprocate. I can give them something back from what they've given to me. And I said, well, what am I going to do with a lot of money anyway? I'm quite content with what I've got. Um, I've had a good innings, I've enjoyed it. It's been my life. Uh, and so I consider myself very lucky. Um, and I was told that once, um, I had a, a lady from, from Rhode Island who we used to deal with, and uh, she said, you're like my husband, Alan, you're very, very lucky. You're very, you're, you're really uh, charmed with the fact that you like what you're doing. And that was decades ago she said that, and she's quite right. So I'm ready to go, and then the Trust was ready to start. So it although they left it quite late to be able to do a lot of this, it, it has started to happen, it started happening towards the end of the year. And uh, the guy who wanted it, uh, I told him, Uh, about it and he was not very happy at all and i said well i did tell you and you told me after 12 emails and phone calls uh, in two months uh, and you were going to get back to me with an offer i said i'm still waiting for the offer and i said they've taken over they're going to take over the theater so i said really it's your fault (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you didn't uh, but i I was quite happy about that because i'm not too sure if it would have worked because he's a, now a city person. He's been living in Sydney for a long time. And I don't think that uh, people who are city people really know much about the country. Mm. And once you get to know what a uh, place like Tiamodo is, I think we're very, very lucky. We've got everything really that we need. And we're close to a lot of places. If we haven't got it here, we've got it somewhere fairly close. And the people are good. Uh, you know, people are friendly and cooperative so why would you not like being here but of course um, you've got to be around for a long time before you realize just how much better it is because all the youngsters that are here want to go to the city when they get to the city a lot of them decide it's not quite as good as what they thought it was going to be and living in a place like Auckland i mean who want to these days and i come from Auckland but it's changed so much since then so i think that um, The the, the trust now, the the main people that are are, are the members are really taking on roles and they're starting to get things going. They've now got a manager, so I'll have to hang around. I don't mind doing that. They've asked me to stay on till the end of the school holidays, doing certain things uh, like the rosters and the schedules and the advertising and that sort of thing. And I'll do a couple of sessions and just be around in case they need any help. But I think that with the way things are going with COVID, with a bit of luck, by the time they start, COVID or Omicron should be starting to wane. And um, once we come to the school holidays, there's a solid lineup, it's not huge, but it's very solid. There's some films that I think will be very popular. And when you get After school holidays, you've got Downton Abbey, which will be very, very big, the second one. You've got the new Marvel film, which also I think is going to do very, very well. And then towards the middle of the year, you've got Jurassic, another Jurassic uh, film, and you've got uh, Top Gun and a lot of other big guns are starting. So I think that they've got a very, very good chance of getting going very early Um, and that should give them the boost. And by then they should have well and truly worked out what they think is best for them. In the meantime, they're just going to run it the way I've been running it. Um, And I think that's the best thing to do until you get the feel of it and find out uh, what's going on. You jump in and start doing all sorts of extra things it's going to cost. And people who have been doing that have found that they've had to cut right back because They can't afford the wages for the few people that are coming to the pictures. So I think that retrenchment is important when things are bad and then when things are good, you can boost things back up again. Mm. But there's a lot of business people who will support the theatre, I'm sure. Um, You'll get grants. Um, I think that the council should be able to help with rates. Uh, because it's a community thing Mm -hmm. and they're not there to make money it's a charitable trust Um, and they've got expenses coming up eventually they'll have to probably in five or six years they'll have to do earthquake strengthening they will get grants for that if a projector uh, goes by the boards then they'll be able to grants for that all that sort of thing Um, i can't get grants it's a heritage listed so they'll be able to get help uh, if anything for the building needs to be done, that's um, uh, to do with um, preservation, and I think that that will also uh, be a big um, help to to them to be able to continue operating the theatre. And I, I see the future as as being good um, as long as uh, everyone does what they're supposed to do, and and the same people are in it for quite a while, and then. As they leave, then somebody else comes in that's quite passionate, and so on. So I think that the that the town will be able to support the theatre, and I think that also the people will support it more because they know that it's theirs. And uh, some people take the attitude that I'm a millionaire, um, getting a million dollars a year, and, and I'm. I'm I've got so much money that I don't know what to do with it. So to hell with uh, paying out this ridiculous amount of money to go to the movies. When in actual fact, um, 50% of what you pay at the box office goes to the film distributor and then you're paying GST and that's just before you start paying expenses. So there's nothing left and it doesn't worry me because I don't need anything. I've got the superannuation that helps and I've got some other support. Um, So I'm okay, But if anyone's here for money, uh, then it it would be difficult for them, I think. But as I say, I think that the trust won't have the same obligations uh, to do with money uh, as what uh, an independent would do.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikatoa. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to FreeFM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen.